Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Okay, you ready for the word? Me too. I've titled um, this message, Are You Catching This? Are you catching this? We're going to read Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 21. It says, But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had one, only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are, you, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have, uh, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? 12, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he said. Uh, uh, Have you caught this or are you catching this? So we see a story here of um, uh, just before this, the prelude to this is Jesus feeds the 4,000. This is the second mass feeding that Jesus has done. First of the 5,000 and now of the 4,000. And uh, as you know, uh, we all like to say it is that uh, they only counted men. So there was at least 8,000 people at this particular feeding. So all the crowds are flocking to Jesus because no one has ever heard anything like this before. No, one, no one's seen the miracles. No one's heard such authority. They are just amazed. And so as Jesus tries to escape the crowds, the crowds follow him and all of a sudden he's got 8,000 people in front of him. He's teaching them all day when he realises they're hungry. And if he sends them away now, well, they'll get weary on the journey because they are hungry. And so he says to his disciples, do we have any food for these people? Now, this is the second time that this has happened. We are reading the second account. He's already fed 10,000 people, okay? Now he's feeding uh, 4,000 or 8,000 people in total. And they say, we have seven loaves of bread and two small fish. So uh, Jesus takes the bread, he, he prays, it, prays over it, he breaks it, and he gets his, um, his disciples to start distributing the bread. And the amazing thing is, is as they're distributing the seven small loaves of bread, it just keeps multiplying, just keeps going and going and going and going until all 8,000 people are full. Now, this isn't a miracle of a crumb filling a belly, okay? It wasn't a miracle of like when you eat a little bit and you're like, oh, I am miraculously full right now. This little dish that I paid $22 for has filled me up. You know what you convince yourself as when you're at a cheapo cafe? So he says to his disciples, go and collect the leftovers. So they take seven baskets. And, and in, this, in this scenario, it's seven large baskets, okay? Now, I couldn't find a large enough basket. And I'm sorry for the, the morbid example, but they could fit a human in it. So like coffin size, okay? 
very large baskets. And they, the disciples, and I'm going to pick on Peter in this, in this um, message because I'm, I'm fairly confident he would have been a culprit in all of this, okay? Um, and I'm pretty sure he's in heaven right now being like, well, if it helps the church, pick on me, okay? So they start to go and collect the leftovers and they say, anyone got any leftovers? Any leftovers over here? Yep, thank you. You just throw them at me. Are you catching this? Oh, I'm catching it. Go, Tam. All right. Uh, are you any leftovers over here? Yep. Leftovers. Leftovers. More leftovers, please, Joshy. Any leftovers? Go, Lily. Yes. Okay. Now, don't eat. Vent. Any leftovers over here? Any leftovers? And they start to jet, I think. Good work, Jack. Whoa. Okay. And they start to fill these large, you could fit me in it, these large baskets full of leftovers. And they're thinking to themselves, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. We started with seven loaves and look what Jesus has done with these seven loaves. Uh, There are seven baskets full of leftovers. Now, a couple of things I'd like to point out at this stage is Jesus doesn't like people going hungry. Do you know if you're in the room today and your soul is hungry? He doesn't like that. In fact, he strategized ways that today that you would not leave hungry today. He, he desires all people to be full. The other lesson that we learn, and I, I'm like, you hammer this in at youth, is that you don't have to be a lot for God to use you to do amazing things. God takes small things and He does amazing things with them. And so here they are and they've got seven. I'm going to come back for this. Seven of these really large baskets. So Jesus says, all right, let's, let's get going. So what we're going to do, we're going to get in the boat. Now the disciples have got all of this free food and they're men And so they would have picked up the baskets and they're trying to get all the seven big baskets of of bread into the boat. But there's seven, uh, at the moment, there's 13 guys trying to get in a boat and seven baskets of bread. And so the boat starts to sink. So they have to leave the bread behind. And uh, Peter, though, can't pass up the opportunity to take some free food. So Peter grabs some bread. Peter's thinking he's so smart and they get in the the boat and they go into wherever they're going next. And Peter's got one loaf of bread. Now Jesus decides to teach them a little something. And he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And all of the disciples start to think to themselves, oh, It's because we only brought one loaf of bread. He's made a reference to yeast and bread. He's angry that we only have one loaf of bread. Peter's thinking to himself, I knew I should have brought more bread. I've not. They start arguing whose fault it is. It's like your fault, your fault, your fault. And Jesus at that point gets angry. And he says, are you serious? You think after I just fed... 8,000 people with seven loaves of bread, you think that I'm worried about bread. Now, 
we, in the room, we're like, come on, boys. Come on. But this is exactly what we do to Jesus. He provides miracles for us, but so quickly do we turn around and walk on with our lives that we forget that He ever did it. And the next time that, that uh, uh, something happens, we encounter the fear of like, oh my gosh, how, is, how are we going to provide? How are we going to move forward? What are we going to do? And Jesus is saying, are you serious? One or seven to 8,000. Now, I'm, I used to tutor high school math. That's like one to 1,150. And you think now I'm afraid of one to 13. Boys, I can do a miracle with bread. Stop. I, I thought you caught the revelation that I'm your provider. I thought you caught the revelation that I don't like hungry people. I thought you caught the revelation. But evidently, the miracle didn't transform them. And then I began to think how fixated I am on receiving a miracle. I start to think, what do I need in my life? Well, I need a miracle. In this area of my life, I need a miracle. I need God to come through in this area of my life. I need a miracle here and I need a miracle here and I need a miracle here. And, and the truth is, there are some breakthrough things that I need from God. However, I've learnt from this passage just so far, I've just become a little bit self-aware, miracles will not transform my life. They were a part of one of the greatest miracles of all time. They literally saw God be the God over matter. I will multiply this. And, but then they got in the boat and they were full of fear because they were worried, I've only got a little bit. The miracle I think I need, the truth is, probably won't transform my life. So then I go on this journey of like, God, if it's not, maybe you're not giving me the miracle that I, I want and desperately desire right now because you know that I'll just move on so quickly anyway. What is it, God, that is going to transform my life? What is it, God, if it's not this, if, if that miracle didn't transform the 12 disciples, what is God? And then the verse came to me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by receiving a miracle. By getting provision, by getting a new this or a new that or your needs met or a healing? No. Miracles tend to be quite situational, don't they? They change my situation right now. But then that very situation is prone to change again and again and again and again. I believe for miracles, but I also want to live transformed. I want the miracle to do something in me. I want Jesus to do something in my spirit where I'm not just moving from situation or situation and thanking God for a miracle. I want to live transformed by your power, God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. I wrote this down. If you want to live in a short-tempered, nearsighted, unforgiving, harsh and lonely world sometimes, Jackson, you don't need a miracle. You don't need more money, a better job, a different family situation. What I need is to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. 
The disciples were in the miracle, but they did not receive a revel- they did not catch the revelation that God was trying to give them, and so they walked forward, not transformed. A couple of thoughts. Number one, we have to find the revelation in the miracle. We have to find the revelation in the miracle. Um, when, when Pastor Brad uh, preaches sometimes, um, he refers to his glory days as a youth pastor. Um, and if you didn't know, I'm the youth pastor, Alyssa and I. And it's so funny because he'll like say things and use examples of like back when he was youth pastor. He'll be like, I remember when I used to stress over a $30,000 youth camp budget. And I'm like, look back on that now and I, we have to believe for way bigger things as a church. And I sit, you're, sitting thinking, you're sitting there thinking, we do have to believe for bigger things. I'm sitting there thinking, that's me. I'm stressing over the youth camp budget. That's me. I've done a fair amount of youth camps now and every year I get so stressed. In fact, what's crazy is every year God has come through and His church has come through every year. Every year He's come through. But when it rolls around again, the anxiety increases, the stress increases, the fear increases. But I don't know what happened this year. Something shifted in me where it wasn't anxiety and fear that arose. It was like this deep confidence that God comes through for His people. It, it, wasn't, any, it wasn't an entitlement. It wasn't like I'm entitled to this. But it was like somewhere along over the past 12 months, I've stopped just getting a miracle and then moving on. I I caught a revelation that every time God provides for His people, He will always come through for His church. I've been transformed. I, um, I, we used to live in this like really, really horrid one bedroom unit. Um, the worst unit ever. But at the time, it was, it was our first home. So like, I thought it was the best thing ever. I just thought you couldn't get better than this. Now I look back and I'm like, I can't believe we lived in that filthy place. Um, so dark, cockroaches everywhere. It was just, it was nasty, okay? It was nasty. One day, not, not because of our cleaning, like our cleanliness, just because like it was a dirty, filthy unit. I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then, then God, then um, about nine months into our, our lease, um, God like, like gifted us this new rental and it came out of nowhere and it is the best, it is heaven on earth for us. It is just heaven on earth, the complete opposite of the, um, of the, the old place. But now, that was smart, eh? <laughs> I'd, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <laughs> so, recently, this anxiety has started to appear. Where I, I'm getting really stressed about our living situation. What if it changes? What if they take away our lease? What if this? What is this? I'm on realestate.com.au all the time being like, I'm coming up with 100 contingencies, okay? Anyone been there, by the way? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I have to, in my mind, and I have to really discipline myself now, Jackson, if he provided for you once, don't move on from the miracle that he gave you. Don't move on 
catch the revelation of the miracle. He didn't just give me a unit to live in. No, He is the God who will always provide housing. He is the God that cares for all of my needs. Catch the revelation. In the Old Testament, we see that so many of these amazing Bible characters, they did not just accept a miracle, they caught a revelation. And they would build an altar to how God revealed Himself at that place because they didn't just want the miracle, they wanted to walk forward transformed. In, um, in Genesis chapter 16, Haggai is uh, completely rejected. She's feeling alone, abandoned with her son. And then the angel of the Lord appears to her. And she says this, you are the God who sees. You are Jehovah El Roy. You are the God who sees. I have seen the one who sees me. She didn't just have an encounter with God. She walked forward from that day uh, knowing I have a God who sees me. In um, Exodus chapter 17, uh, Jesus reveals him, uh, God reveals Himself by giving the Israelites victory over the Amalekites. And they, they, label Jesus, uh, they label God, they give Him the name. He reveals Himself as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. You are my leader. You are my defender and you are the one who gives us victory. We're not just going to get a victory and move on here. We are going to go forward and we are going to constantly proclaim, I've got Jehovah Nissi on my side. In Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham is on the mount and he's about to sacrifice Isaac and God provides the ram in the thicket, he doesn't just swap out the sacrifices and go, yes, I've got my son back. No, what does he do? He goes, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. All the days of my life now, I won't just live in the miracle. I will now move forward with a revelation. The church, and I think the next generation is struggling to catch the revelation. They are, we are constantly in this fast-paced society moving on so quickly from a miracle. When God says, would you just take time to reflect? I didn't just want to give you a momentary like reprieve from your problems. Like He cares about my problems. He cares about my every need. He wants to give me the miracle. But in the big scheme of things, He more wants me to catch the revelation. I want to live transformed. I want to live transformed. Number two. Beware of your default response. So here in this scripture, we see, um, we see they're on the boat. They've only got one loaf of bread hidden behind their backs. They're arguing to each other. Oh my gosh. He's angry. He brought out yeast because he's angry that we didn't bring any more bread with us. And I'm just thinking to myself like, You've been with Jesus for a while now. Have you not caught his character yet? Like, you did make him angry. <laughs> not because of the bread that you brought or didn't brought, because of your lack of faith in his character. But what we see here is the default response that we're programmed to. This default shame response of like, I'm not enough. We didn't do good enough. And when we get a revelation from God and when we're a part of a miracle, 
It's so funny, even if we get the revelation, we've still got a default, default response built into us that we have to watch out for. On Friday night, um, Liz was at uh, St Andrews, I was at Sutherland, so I got home earlier. And, um, and I walked in to the cleanest house ever. Like it was, I contributed a little bit, but like she had made sure it was like amazing. I was like, man, this place is so clean. Okay, but she was an hour away. So I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I probably wasn't thinking. I just walked in, went straight for the remote, undid my belt, sat like this on the couch and I watched TV. And then I thought to myself, I'm hungry. So I get up, I go to the kitchen, the spotlessly clean kitchen. All right, put a pot of boiling water on, (laughs) chuck some pasta in it. I'm going to cook pasta. I'm going to have butter and cheese in it. It's my guilty pleasure. It costs me like, I don't know, 60 cents and I'm happy. I wait for the timer and the timer goes off. I go over, open the fridge, no cheese, no grated cheese. So I get the strainer out. I strain the pasta, throw the strainer on the bench somewhere, open open the fridge. There's a block of cheese. I thought, I can make do with this. Pour the pasta in the bowl, get out a grater. Pasta's here, I'm here, and I'm grating cheese like this. Cheese all over the counter, all over the floor. Not that I care. I get my humongous bowl of cheesy pasta. I go back to the couch. I sit like this. I pull over the ottoman. I put my feet up. And I am enjoying my favourite TV show after my favourite night of youth with cheesy pasta and I am living. And then it clicks. My wife will be home in 30 seconds. (laughs) There is cheese everywhere. There are pots on one side of the living room. There's my clothes, my youth clothes are everywhere. My stuff that I brought in from the car, everywhere. And it was one of my, those times where my feet literally moved faster than my body and they were pulling me forward. I quickly threw everything in the sink. I got the wipe and I'm like wiping everything furiously into the sink. I grab paper towel, I'm wiping up all this cheese off the floor and I chuck it in the bin and it's mildly clean and the door opens and I'm like, hello, honey. <laughs> now... I have a default response. It seems sometimes I forget that I'm married. (laughs) It seems sometimes I forget that I'm not a single man living alone anymore. We have a default response programmed, programmed into us that we need to watch out for. Because if we don't, it will rip us off from the transformed life that God wants us to live. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't just get a miracle. Catch the revelation and... When the default response is fear or anxiety or uncertainty or you can't sleep, you need to go back to the revelation and you need to remind yourself, no, He is my provider. He does give me the victories. He didn't just provide a miracle then. He will provide it for me again and for the rest of my life. I am going to be, live. I am determined to live, not as just a miracle to miracle Christian but I want to live transformed. 
I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't want to live in anxiety anymore. I want to live a transformed life. Number three, the miracles doesn't need to be yours for you to be transformed by the revelation. The miracle does not need to be yours for you to be transformed by the revelation. Um, on Friday night, uh, we so this this amazing girl, year 10, year 11, um, goes to a local high school, Cronulla Way, and about six months ago, she gets saved. And her life group leader has done the most amazing job discipling her. Uh, it, it's tr- uh, I just can't believe the journey of this girl. Alyssa and I dropped her home after winter camp and she had had the most amazing time. But it was so tragic dropping her home. I just thought, you forget. Even as youth pastor, you just forget what people go through. And I dropped her off to the dodgiest unit block. I know her parents aren't nice to her. I just, she's just gone from this high and now I'm dropping her home to this. And it's just heartbreaking. And on Friday night, she led our prayer meeting. And this girl is um, super shy, super, super shy. And this is her first time running prayer meeting. And it was so, so cute (laughs) because um, she has caught the revelation. (laughs) She has caught the revelation. She's still catching up in her confidence, but she's definitely caught the revelation. Like we have, we have people and it's great to pray like this. God, we just ask you to do this and we ask you to do that and we ask you to move. So this girl and, and like, with a, she's just standing right here with a microphone. She goes, God, I declare. But then she catches herself being too confident that you would come through and that you would do amazing things. And then she'd be like, someone else would pray. The microphone would go back to her and she'd go, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I've watched this girl catch the revelation. Her living situation hasn't changed. To be honest, not much apart from God doing a deep work in her soul has changed. She's been given nothing that I know of yet, no no testimonies of crazy healing or breakthrough in the family. But she has done the best thing that you can ever do. And when you see a miracle in the Word, you don't just admire a miracle. Just don't think, wow, Jesus is so crazy. They would have been picking up bread because it wasn't Peter's miracle. It wasn't the disciples' miracle. They would have been picking up bread being like, this is so cool. This is, they're like 22 year old dudes, probably younger. They're like, my gosh, this is amazing. You know, um, I did this analogy at youth and they, people started eating the bread. <laughs> so they literally would have been like that, right? The miracle wasn't theirs, but they, there is something that we can do, church. And there is a faith that is available to us. And I've, I've recently caught it to a new level, but there's always different levels and levels and levels. There is, a, there is a faith where I'm at and I do need some miracles in my life. Like Alyssa and I have some needs in, in, in our lives. However, I've, I've got a faith and I'm asking our church to rise in faith and, and say, God, I don't need another miracle for me to worship You. 
I don't need to see another crazy feat of Your Spirit for me to trust You every day of my life. When I see someone else's miracle, when someone came up to me, actually they didn't even come up to me, but I've watched God provide for them a new job when they, their, their old job was actually like really, really bad for them. And, and God just supernaturally came through and gifted them this amazing job. When I see that, I'm like, I don't even think to myself, God, you need to do that for me. All I think to myself is I've got a good, He's gonna provide and look after every one of my needs. I don't even need it myself anymore. You know what's crazy is like, as a church, we love praying for other people. I have seen God do more miracles in others' lives than He's ever done in my life. Yet I'm the one that gets to live transformed. They might get the need met, but I'm the one that gets to live without fear or anxiety. I get to live with hope for my future. I get to live with assurance of my salvation. I get to live knowing that all the days of my life, His goodness and mercy will follow me. I've got a faith now where I don't need You to come through anymore for me to worship You, God. You've already, You already came through for me. I don't need You to do something spectacular for me, for me to be in awe of You. That's what the Jewish leaders were doing. They were demanding a sign, as if You would ever need another sign. Peter, his name was Simon. And Simon means read, blown about, by this and that and just you go with the wind and you're just flimsy, unpredictable, unreliable. And Peter is in these miracles, but he's not catching the revelation yet. Until in Matthew chapter 16, God gives him the, Jesus gives him the opportunity to reflect. Others say that I'm this, but please reflect, who do you say that I am? Okay, Peter, or okay, Simon, okay, Reed, okay, unreliable. You've seen, you've been a part of the miracles. Now I'm asking you to reflect. What revelation have you caught? Who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, on this rock, you are now called Peter, which means rock. And on this revelation, mate, I will build my church. You caught it. Well done, Peter. You caught the revelation that now I can build my church on. You are now the person that I can do amazing things with because you are not just going from miracle to miracle. You're not just witnessing things and then moving on again and again. Now you are a rock because Peter, you received a revelation. Today, in a second, in about a couple of minutes, I'm gonna pray that the rock would rise up on the inside of us. A church is unmovable in faith. A church that says, Jesus, I, don't, I haven't just seen some miracles in my time. I've caught the revelation now, God. You are the Christ. I can trust You every day of my life. Before we get there though, two things that I wanna do. Firstly, this revelation out of this Scripture 
sort of came to me from the Selah message. When we announced Selah as a conference, I was reading through Mark and, and God said, I'm setting aside some time for you to pause and reflect now. You've been part of a miraculous journey as a church, but now I'm giving you three days to pause and catch the revelation. Jackson, you can't move into your future now without taking three days for me to say to you one-on-one, buddy, Jesus, uh, Jackson, who do you say that I am? Reflect on what you've seen. As a church, we're gonna take time to catch the revelation of what He's done, who He is, and who we're taking into the future. That for me is Sila. Secondly, the miracle doesn't need to be yours for you to be transformed by the revelation. I wanna tell you about a miracle. Even as a teenager, I knew that I was lost and broken. I knew there was a darkness that I could not overcome on the inside. Everything that I did to purify self and just experience a little ounce of freedom internally never, ever, ever worked. There were ways that I discovered that gave you like momentary, like 15 minutes of you could block out the world, but never did I find a way that I could clear out this soul and be able to breathe again. One day I walked into a church and Jesus Christ transformed my life. I'd heard about Him in Scripture and funny enough, my, my nan used to take me to Mass and I thought, this is all ridiculous. But then that day, a miracle happened in my life and it changed me from the inside out, marked me forever. And I have never once found anything that can do what Jesus did for me. The cross that He died on, paid the price for my sins and made me clean. And I am the man I am today because of that miracle. Can I tell you, you may be in the room today and you need that miracle too. There is a revelation for you to catch and that is Jesus Christ loved you so much that He went to the cross willingly to pay the price for your sin, die a death, to pay the price and rise again to give you new life. Today, that revelation is yours if you want it. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes for me? right across the room and online as well. If today you're coming back to Jesus, you're opening up your heart to Him. You know, God has a plan for your life where He will provide every need. He will look after you through and through. He will never let you go. He'll never never leave or abandon you. He will be with you. It's a life as you learn to do it with Him, free from anxiety and fear. It's full of hope and joy full of peace. That's the life that He offers today by saying, if you receive me, if you open up your heart to me, this is what I offer today. So on the count of three, if today you're saying, Jackson, I'd like to pray that prayer and invite Jesus into my heart. I'm gonna, lift my, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands on the count of three and you're gonna give me a wave. I'm gonna tell you that you're amazing. You can put it straight back down. I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not gonna call you out by name. It's just anybody's private opportunity while everyone has their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And we're gonna pray a prayer for the greatest miracle of all time. On the count of three, if you're opening up your heart to Jesus today, ready? One, two, three, as I look around the room. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, 
We just worship You today. I pray for anyone online who may have given their heart to Christ today. We declare that they are a new creation in You. We declare in Jesus' mighty Name that their needs would be met by You, that You would be with them, that You would you would give them that assurance. You will never leave them. That today they have their forever friend, the God of the universe with them and living in them. In Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.